0: Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. Briefly, I know what time it is, but I want to briefly deal uh, with this and just uh, talk a little bit about uh, God's perspective on our entertainment. You know, and what the Word of God has to say about the things that we put in front of our face and what we listen to. And, uh, and, to, and to teach and preach discernment and wisdom. Amen? And obedience to the word. <clears throat> I'm going to read two passages of scripture here. First of all, Romans 1, 28 through 32. Romans 1, 38, one twenty-eight through 32. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, knowing what was right, knowing what was true, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Amen. In Philippians four and verse eight, Philippians four and verse eight. I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a counterpoint uh, because I don't I don't enjoy preaching that uh, you know and, and uh, telling myself there was one guy that I I. I it, I had to sit under his ministry. I got to sit. You know, I had to got to sit under that ministry for a little while. It wasn't. It wasn't my father. But uh, um, <clears throat> finally, one day, I just asked him. I was like, you know, you need to write a book, 99 ways to get to hell, because, and, and maybe one way to get to heaven, because it just seemed like it was always just so negative and just bash, 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 and we need to know equally how to get to heaven. I, mean, I don't. I don't need to just know what's wrong. I need to know what's right. I need to do what's right, you know. And honestly, I think a lot of times when we give our young children, um, you know, just uh, you know smacks on the hands and never and never tell them what is good, what is true, what is you know glorifying to God, what they should do. We never reinforce the good. You really don't give them that many options. You know, if there is no way to succeed, there's no way to do right. There's no, there's no reason because, you know, you're never you know, guided in the ways of godliness, of righteousness. Well, that, that, that doesn't do a real good job of guidance. I don't need to. If you're going to give me directions, I don't want you to be like, all right, so you don't go that way. You definitely don't go that way. And don't, don't go back that way either. And don't go south because you'll, you'll get caught up there on 66 and you're going to don't do that. You know, and don't go here. That didn't help much, did it? I can tell you a lot of ways not to get somewhere. But man, what I need to hear is how to get to where I'm going. Amen. Now, we also need to hear a lot of others, you know, the other perspective, because uh, uh, the Apostle Paul, who's writing here. You know, In the book of Romans, I would say the book of Romans written by the Apostle Paul, um, he is telling you all the do not do this, don't do this, don't do it. And we need to hear that because it gives us context and we understand what is sin and we need to not partake of it. But we also need to know what's true and what we should do, amen? So I'm going to give the counterpoint. I, I definitely have no problem preaching and teaching on what is sin, but I also want to preach on what's good and what's right and what we ought to spend our time doing and concentrating on. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true... Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, encouraging, you know what I mean? Of good report, like that, that's a good thing. I like to hear a good report now and then, amen? If there be any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, in KJV, if there, if, if, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Meditate on these things. Think about those things. Amen. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and God, the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you glad that there's that the Bible's a, 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 a book for the gospel's good news? It's a bad world. It's already a bad situation. We understand that. It's, it's a sinful world. I, that's not news. Whenever I hear the, the, the terrible things that are going on in, in my world, that, they call it news. That's not news. That's, that's the same old thing that's been going on for a long time. And, and, and you can look out through all these different religions and these different mindsets and the, the things that are happening. That's not really news. That's just a continuous cycle of sin and the manifestation of sin and people hurting each other and, and, and division and hatred and selfishness and greed and, and racism and just all that. That's not really news. That's old, that's old news. But let me tell you about good news. Let me tell you about real news is that Jesus saves and that he, every problem, every issue, He is the answer to. And no matter what's going on in your life, He can put that back together that no matter what, He died so that we didn't have, that didn't have to be our, our existence forever. We didn't have to just live and be a product of our sinful environment. I don't have to be a part of the world system of hatred and sin and lust and pride and envy and anger and covetousness. The good news is there's another way. There's a true way. There's a way to live. And his name is Jesus. Praise God. Like I said, these are two separate verses in the two passages, and I feel like one is really strong. I'm going to read it again because it's a, lot of, it's a lot of heavy stuff, and we need it. And the second provides a little bit of a counterpoint. Amen. Romans 1.28, he lays down the law. And the law is that uh, uh, those who did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they didn't like to think about God. God gave them over to a debased mind. God will let you do what you want to do. And honestly, if you, uh, you want to roll around in the mud for long enough, um, God's going to allow you to do that. And then your perspective is going to change. Your mind is going to change. That's true. He gives them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is is, is having relations and intimacy in a way that is not God's divine design, which is outlined in the scriptures. Amen? One man, one woman in in the context of holy matrimony. Amen? Praise God. Sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. This is hatefulness. uh, Full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They're whisperers. Backbiters. It's okay to whisper in church. You don't want to just yell, you know. <clears throat> but a lot of times, you know, if it's something you got to whisper, it's something you got <clears> to. <throat> anytime that you're going to say something, you have to look, you know, twice. Think twice. Yeah. Amen. That's a that's a word right there. And do you understand what I'm saying? If you if you got to look around and see, and see you know, <clears throat> I don't you know, I don't want somebody else to hear this because I would be embarrassed or I, they they would you know, they would feel like I was attacking. them. Well, maybe maybe instead of looking twice, maybe you ought to think twice. And Is what I'm saying true? Is it good? Is it, uh, does it honor God? Is it something that I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be ashamed to say out loud? And to the person maybe that I'm saying it about, come on somebody. Undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God and that those who practice such things are deserving of death. I mean, these people know better. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. <clears throat> and that is a, uh, that, that, that kind of got, it really opened everything up in the end. Like, you know, you've you, you, you got this, 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 don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then it really expanded with the last little sentence there. And those, in approving of those who practice them. Amen. Um, it's it's not just enough that I do right, but I also need to stand for what's right. I also need to you know, and that doesn't mean condemning and attacking and, and being cruel or unkind to people who practice it. But you don't have to approve of that lifestyle. You don't have to approve of sin. You don't you don't have to you don't have to take this this weak, limp wristed, uh, um, cowardly um, you know existentialist view of, you know, of morality and just say you know, whatever works for you, I, this is my revelation, this is my belief, this is my truth, instead of saying it's objective truth, stand for what you believe in. If you believe in something, uh, th- then have the courage to stand and say this is what I believe the word of God is and I do believe that there's only you know, two destinations and that there is one God and, and, he, and that Christ Jesus came to save and this is the way, this is how it is, this is the one the Word of God says that. He says um, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man approaches the Father but by me. He's the one who made it that way. Amen? Praise God. We're called to be world changers, not world chasers. Amen? And, and we, always, we, we should always uh, kind of take a step back and start to think whenever uh, you know, we, we are modeling ourselves after the world, not after the Word. Amen. Whenever, that, whenever we start to see more of the world in, in, our, uh, in our mindsets and the things that we do and the places that we go and just the way that we, uh, the, the way that we even just uh, you know, dial in on stuff. and that, you know, Whenever there's an opinion to be there, we kind of err in, in the side of what's popular in the culture of the world instead of leaning toward the Word of God. We're called to uh, confront the world. Amen? We're called to be world changers, not world chasers. So what is the Bible's take on entertainment? On books and movies and uh, um, radio, um, you know, what everything's different now, like you know, uh, w- iTunes, you know, whatever you're streaming, you know, what, what is the Word of God's take on that? Does that, is that just like a weird little door that we keep closed and like oh, we're Christians, but then some of the stuff, you know, that, that, we, that we take part in, that's kind of separate. I don't think that's the way God intended. I know it's not the way that God intended it to be. Um, You know, the things that we put in front of our face, the things that we listen to and uh, approve of a lot of times. We need to be extremely discerning. So I want to preach about discernment today. Amen? Um, I'll tell you what I'm not going to do, which is uh, what, what I think I shouldn't do. I'm not taking on the role, me personally, as your personal IMDb or your, your filtering system. It's not my job. And honestly, and, and, and the reason I'm not doing it is not because it's, it's not my job, but it's, it's because it's, it's a flawed way of doing this. Whenever, a, whenever you count on you know, somebody else to tell you the things that you should look at and the things you shouldn't look at, and, uh, and, and it's just their opinion, then, and, and we're not practicing biblical discernment on ourselves, um, th- then you're, you're, you're plugging a, you know, a, a vessel with a lot of leaks in it, but there'll always be more. Okay, you, you, can't, you can't just uh, count on somebody to preach against this little thing or this movie or this particular attitude or this mindset or this song or this artist. We need to stick with the Bible. And we need to develop discernment between good and evil, righteousness and unrighteousness, truth and lies, lust, violence, wickedness. We, we need to be able to, to read the Word of God and start to discern things for ourselves. Amen? I'm not going to tell you exactly what books or publishers or magazines you're allowed to read. And the reason why is humans naturally like rules and exact regulations. And the reason why is because often enough we can find a way to skirt those. You're like, ah, yeah, but you didn't say this, you know. And that's that's what the Pharisees were all about. You know, all of these laws, law after law after law after law, they always found a way around it. Always we're going to find a way to, uh, you know. Uh, to, to avoid doing, you know, their duty, and to uh, to to just st- to find a loophole in the system to where they could still do the thing that their their sinful heart wanted to do, and uh, but they were free of the penalty. That's how humans uh, you know, can be and tend to be naturally, but God calls us to obey the word in detail and in spirit, amen. Not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. And a lot of people are under the false uh, understanding that whenever grace comes on the scene, it's no longer, I'm no longer under the law, but I'm under grace. Well, things got a lot tighter then because now you were culpable not just for the things that people could see and put their finger on, uh, you were culpable for the things that only God would put his finger on and, and whenever you, you know good and well that you can fool everybody else and that technically you didn't do this, this thing, but you know that in your heart you were, you were, you were proud and yet that the reason why you said the things that you did uh, was wrong and then the Holy Spirit comes in like he does and he begins to convict you and say, nobody else might have caught that, but I did. Nobody else understands that there's lust in your heart. And I know you're not acting on it. You're not doing, you're going to these sites and you're not doing this thing. You're not going out and meeting somebody. You're not doing that. But I know what's going on in your heart. The Holy Spirit can do that and he will do that. So whenever uh, the Holy Spirit comes and we're under the grace covenant, things got ratcheted down a lot. You know, that, they got, it got a lot tighter. It didn't get loose. Amen? And God calls each and every one of us to be discerning in the things uh, that we allow, that we put in front of our face, that we take part in. Amen? Jesus blew up the whole system of loopholes when he addressed issues of objective, tangible sin and in the same breath condemned that omissive and cloaked sin of the heart that lay at the root of the issue. Jesus went deeper. He didn't go more shallow. He went deeper into the causes of actual sin. Amen? <clears throat> but rather than just calling out specific sins, which we do and we, we will, you know, there, there are, you know, there are sins that we need to be aware of, that we need to preach, and we need to let the Holy Spirit lead us into preaching the truth and let conviction you know, do that work in our heart and life. But uh, more than just calling out specific acts or specific fads or, or, you know, or things that come and go, um, I want to make a biblical call to righteousness and discernment according to the Word of God. We need discernment. Um, and this is C.H. Uh, Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon says something uh, that I found uh, really, really uh, direct and, uh, and powerful. He said, discernment is not knowing, it's not knowing the difference between right and wrong. That's not discernment. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. Amen? I think that is, uh, you know, the point that he's making there is it, it, real discernment is knowing the difference between right and almost right. It's, it's almost right, and you might even be able to kind of cover that up. You might even be able to skirt the issue. But in the end, the, the spirit of discernment, which that's one of the things that the Apostle Paul lists, you know, undiscerning people who won't look at things and allow the Holy Spirit to lead and allow the Word of God to, to like it does, tell us exactly what we should do in that situation or, or speak to us or convict us. Uh, not all entertainment is wrong. Amen. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, uh, and I think whenever we throw out blanket statements, we really devalue the truth. That's the problem. Whenever somebody says every film is, is wrong or every, you know, every kind of sports you know, game or something like that is wrong, or you say these, things, these blanket statements or these things are wrong, well, the problem is you're wrong. And not only are you wrong, you have actually devalued uh, the system of the Word of God telling you what is right and wrong, because you say, oh, the Bible just said, and then you throw out some wrong, you know, aired blanket statement that can be disproven. Then what you do is you teach a whole generation of young people um, that, well, oh, you were wrong about that, and I know you were, so why should, I, why should I listen to this? Why should I care what you say about that? Whenever, whenever you get into this just, uh, you know, th- this lofty, or well, it's wrong because I said so. You know, the, the, the Bible says, you know, it says that, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness, and it does not not in there you know it's kind of a saying but it's not in the Bible and then you start to say these things that are aired you have not only are you wrong but you've devalued the truth in some people's eyes which is horribly horribly dangerous amen Yeah, and I um I enjoy sports I do and here's a couple of the reasons why it you know as a young man it taught me hard work and sacrifice you know it taught me how to you know to, to run when I didn't feel like running and to uh, you know to 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 work and to uh, you know to pursue something whenever it came at a personal cost to me, and I had to I had to choose between being lazy and actually getting up and, and, and pursuing excellence. That was a good that was a good moral lesson for me. <clears throat> it taught me to function as a team member and do what was best for the team instead of always what was best for me. And there was a time uh, whenever there was a there was a kid on the team, and he would only play the point guard position. And in my highly subjective opinion I was a better point guard than him. And if you don't know, the, the, the point guard, they get to have the ball more, right? They're at the top of the key. And they get to do, you know, and honestly, like in that system, they were going to score more points. And this guy, this sassy guy um, told the coach, he said, I'm not going to play for the team unless I get to play point guard. I'm going to leave and I'm going to quit. And so I kind of had this, uh, this moment where it was, uh, well, I'm either going to go play, you know, play forward, or play, you know, you know, another position, and just, you know, be humble, and do what's best for the team, because he was good, he actually was very good, and, but he was sassy, and, you know, he, he was a diva, and wanted to, you know, and, the, and he wanted to play the, you know, this position, and so, and no one knows who he is, <clears throat> so I just kind of, I had to learn that lesson, and I, you know, I, I took my humble pie, and I said, you know what, I want to win more than I want to, you know, be in that particular position, so I'm going to, and, you know, I, you know, I got to be point guard next year after, you know, after you know, whatever, whatever happened, but uh, I had to learn that, whether I actually cared more about the team than I did about scoring points. I think that was an important lesson to learn during sports, uh, to function as a team member, to keep my attitude and spirit in check under pressure, amen. I feel sorry for some of these people who are like, they're 22 and they've never like ever had like a serious conflict and then they just go nuts, have you ever seen that? Like they don't know how to deal with conflict because they've just never really had the opportunity to, you know, to swallow their pride and actually had to because their parents sheltered them from everything in the world and they were never, you know, <clears throat> nothing was ever their fault and you know everybody just needed to give them a sucker and a pat on the head no matter if they were wrong or acting bad or not and then so they get out into the real world where there's actual conflict and people treat you wrong in the workplace and people cut you off in traffic and people say mean things and then you know all of a sudden ah where's mom I don't know what to do here ah. And then they, they blow up and they go nuts. When don't, don't insulate your kids to the point where they don't understand how to deal with conflict with grace and patience and, and humility and understanding. Teach them how to deal with the real world because you're not doing them any favors. You're raising unemployable kids. Hey, hey, come on. Un, unmarriable kids. Yeah. We have to teach how to deal with, with conflict, how to deal with disappointment, how to deal with loss. Amen. <clears throat> you know, and, uh, and I want to tell another, um, another little illustration. This is just something that means a lot to me, and uh, I think maybe it will, it will benefit you. Um, I think that uh, sports can be a very unifying factor, um, and this is a problem because um, racism still exists, and sexism exists, and uh, people who judge other people by, uh, by their, uh, their background or you know, maybe by you know, how much money their family had or where they're from, um, bigotry exists in our world still today. And Christians, we should be the absolute uh, model of treating everyone like they have value, equal value in Christ. Now, people, people don't act the same. You know, they, they, and, you know, if, they, if they're acting bad, then they're acting bad. I'm not going to act like they don't. They, but people have an inherent value that is breathed of God and equal to anyone else on the, in the world. And I, and I remember um, playing soccer, and I'm a terrible soccer player. Um, but uh, I was playing <coughs> with a, a you know, big group of guys. Obviously, there's eleven on eleven, and there was a uh, you know, there's a black dude from Kenya, and he had a couple buddies there with him. He's real tall, and he was an amazing soccer player, and just taught me so much because uh, I was me and you know these other dudes were complaining about how bad a shape the field was in, and how it, you know needed some patch dirt over here, and the lines weren't sprayed properly. And we're like, meh, meh, meh. You know, we were living in Beaver Creek; it should be better than this. And and this guy just he. he he got there, got out of the car, took off his socks and his shoes, and he just started doing, like, little snow angels, you know, in the grass. And I was like, what are you doing? I was like, I can't, and I was kind of embarrassed. I was like, I can't believe this. You know, what's going on here? You know, should take better care of this. And he said, buddy, from my, and where I'm from, you know, my village in Kenya, I was on the select, you know, district team before I ever got to play on a field with grass. And he stuck his, his his long gnarly toes into the grass, and he just said, "Oh, it's so good." He's like, "You are so blessed. You are so privileged." He was like, "I." He was like, "I was." He was like, "I was already having you know, you know, people look at me, you know, like you know, almost professional to the professional level um, by the time I got my first set of cleats." And he was so much better than me, and I was just so embarrassed because I'm terrible, and I have all this, you know, this grass, and I have, you know, my, my fancy, you know, cleats and everything. And I just remember uh, just becoming good friends with this guy. And I'm just speaking from the heart a little bit here because I feel like this is something that is applicable and important. And, um, and I remember the revelation that I got as I became friends, and I began to see the world a little bit differently and, uh, and to grow in that. And uh, <clears throat> the one thing that's, and I did a report, I actually kind of wrote like a, you know, a, a piece on this. And I said that the soccer field became something that was really actually beautiful to me because everybody who was on there didn't matter what c- color your skin was or where you came from. If you were a baller, you were a baller. And it became to me a microcosm of, you know, what God created. Um, people should be judged by the value of, you know, of their, their choices and their ideas and their work ethic and, and the things that they choose with their free will to do that are honorable, that are true, that are good. That's how we ought to judge and the soccer field just became a microcosm of all the different ways that people um, could come together. It didn't matter if you were rich. It didn't matter if you were poor. It didn't matter you know, if you were young or old. It did not matter because if you, had, if you were a baller, then I wanted you on my team. You know? And you could have the nicest Nikes in the world and I'd still be the last one picked because it didn't matter. My, I wasn't that good. And I think that the church should be a place where this is demonstrated more clearly than any other place and that we are judged and valued for those reasons, because of the choices that we make, because of the values that we hold, because of the sacrifices that we make, and not because of those other things. So, yeah, I do think that, uh, that sports can be a wonderful thing, you know, as long as it doesn't become about pride, doesn't become about division, doesn't become about, uh, <clears throat> about uh, well, no, number one, like uh, Brother Johnny was talking about, I, I've seen a lot of people put sports up as their god, and honestly, if you're thinking more about that, if that matters more to you objectively than the Word of God does, than, than following God, if you care more about that demonstrably, that is your God. And the Word of God says you can't serve two masters. Anything that you raise up to a place that is higher in your priorities and the value that you give it with your time and with your money and with your, your, your thoughts I've done it. You know, I've, I've, I've sp- there have been times when God had to convict me because I spent more time keeping up with college football than I did with my devotions. Amen. Or anything else like that. That becomes a God and, and it becomes sin. God needs to be the number It has to, must be the number one thing in our lives. Amen. <clears throat> now, I enjoy stories and books and films and movies. Oh, my goodness. Lord, help us. Um, that extol virtue and honor and sacrifice and heroism and truth. That is what I enjoy. That that is what I feel. Something that uh, that is of good report. Honestly, things that and I remember. Um, you know, I have I have many leather bound books. You know, in my in my office and uh, and. Some of them, like, look really spiritual, but they're actually Louis L'Amour books, but they just look nice, and, you know, they're, they're, they're in there. And it's just this old writer who was a... He was a Christian man, and uh, the good guy always won. Like, you know, his characters were always hardworking and honorable and sacrificial and self... And, you know, they, they taught great moral values. And, uh, and I remember where I, where I kind of developed my taste for it. Um, there's another preacher who is very famous for always, uh, you know, using him in his stories. But uh, I remember... Uh, my papa Gene, um, who was uh, you know, one of my heroes in life, he was a he was a pastor for many years, an evangelist, and became a congressman. He just really, really great, you know, man of God, a man of character and hard work and ethics. And uh, he would, uh, you know, whenever I go stay there, then I would I'd, I'd get to you know stay with Papa, I'd get to sleep with Papa, you know, and he would tell me stories late into the night, you know, until I would fall asleep. And he would always, he would share those stories, and he would teach me about hard work, about putting others first, and sacrifice and about what it was to be the good guy. The good guy's honest. You know, the, the real man works hard, and he doesn't take advantage of the weak, but he uses his strength um, to protect and to honor and to serve those uh, who can't serve themselves. Those were the things, um, you know, as, along with the Word of God, and those coincide with the Word of God. Those are biblical, true pr- principles, um, and those are the things that, in some small way, shaped you know, the character that, I, that I, you know, I pray that I have and demonstrate and will continue to grow in. Um, but... We have to be very careful about the things that we're putting in front of our face, whether it's extolling virtue and truth and godliness and purity, or are some of the things that you're allowing into your sphere, into your entertainment, extolling lust and sexuality. And, and sensuality um, that has that not honored God and that, you know, honestly is impure before us? Is it, it, does it honor somebody, you know, who's a thief? I mean, some, you look at some of the titles on, and I don't watch them, but <clears throat> you look at some of the titles of things and it's just, you know, pretty little liars. And I'm like, I wonder what that's about. I've never watched it. It could be, you know, something I have no clue. But I, I think it's about lying probably or dishonesty or like, you know, being dishonest. That's what it would seem and, you know, um, there, there's, there's a show, you know, um, you know, called this and called that, called how to get away with murder. And I was like, huh, I wonder if that's godly. I wonder if that's going to make me more like Christ. Spending about, you know, ten episodes and forty-five minutes per episode about how to get away with murder, or one that says lust, or just all these sinful things. Be careful the things that you're putting in front of your face, because it matters. It impacts you. It impacts your spirit and your heart. And I'm telling you, if you, if you want to become like the world, uh, allow things that glorify and, de- and demonstrate a sin to just seep into you. And, and for, for those to become a character that you're familiar with, that you enjoy watching and that you know, um, you, know, you know that they do wrong, but it becomes enjoyable to your flesh. And next thing you know, things are dancing across the screen that should offend you. That, that that should make you drop. You know, that that should make you want to turn it off and complain about th- things that you that, that, that would offend the heart of God. And next thing you know, they're, 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 it becomes normalized. Here's the great danger: to normalize sin through your entertainment again and again, um, tearing down the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do, which is to make you pure and to convict you whenever something that is extolling sin and, and lust and garbage and hatefulness and, and violence in your life. The, the thing by honoring that, you strip away your conscience, and you you strip away and you undo the work that the Holy Spirit is trying to do. Holy Spirit's trying to make you more like Christ. Trying to make you more loving, more forgiving, more honorable, more true, more godly, more righteous. And if we're not careful, we allow these flesh-driven things to strip away our values and, the, and truth. And next thing you know, um, not only does it not offend me anymore, I don't even care, I don't notice. And, I, and next thing, you know, this natural next step is to approve of those things that are counter to the Word of God. I love heroes. I love love to be uh, inspired by the good things in life, by by, by sacrifice and truth and and honor and, and righteousness and goodness. But I don't want to create this hollowed out place in my life where sin can come in again and again and again and begin to undo the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Avoid entertainment that extols and demonstrates sin. Whether it's a song that glorifies sexuality and drugs and alcoholism and the things that you know in a vacuum tear people's lives apart. And it glorifies a culture that that is responsible for so much hurt and evil in the world. And it normalizes sinful things. That is a lot of popular music. It's not all bad. But buddy, it's not all good. And we need discernment. What are we playing? What, what are we taking a part of? What are we, by even associating with it, what are we associating ourselves with? And, and whenever they say, well, you're a man of God, and so that's what you like? That's what you, you know, you're good with sin? It should not be said of us. You know, I, 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 want, to, I want to have the, the character and the discernment to where the good things I approve of and the, and the bad things that are anti-God, that, that are of the flesh, that I shun. And I'm going to make a little caveat right here because I think it's necessary. <clears throat> um, every good story has a bad guy for the most part, okay? So you have to understand that, like, uh, every Louis L'Amour uh, story that Papa ever read me had a bad guy. My problem is whenever you make the bad guy the good guy. And that is happening in our culture, in our world. You know, when, whenever the, the hero is doing sinful things and, and doing bad, um, you know, if... There's, like I said, there's always a bad guy. There's always like you know, some, some pirate or swashbuckling guy who's trying to steal all the good stuff or you know, he's trying to hold up the, the, the train. That, you got, if you're going to have a good story, you've got to have a bad guy, and then good has to triumph over that. That's what makes the good stuff, right? But be very careful that you're not extolling negativity and sin and ungodliness, but rather that you're celebrating the triumph of godliness and truth and virtue over evil. Amen. I think that's a good uh, a good thing for you to remember in your entertainment. <clears throat> I'm going to read some scriptures uh, before we uh, before we dismiss today. Amen. You love scripture. Amen. Amen I do. Um, and these, uh, as I read through these, and then we're going to close. <clears throat> um, I just want, and I'll read them slow. I want you to apply them to your heart and to your life as far as entertainment is concerned, and the things that you take part in, and just uh, allow it to just wash over you like a river, wash over you, uh, you know, just just like a clean, um, you know, just brand new, you know, a a rainstorm, you know, after a dusty day, then just allow it to wash over your spirit and say, you know what, that's good. Oh, that's good. I hope he reads that again. Yeah, read that again. What was it? That's good because I I think I could use that a little more of that in my life. I need to think about the things that I do in this context. Let's allow the word of God to just wash over us. Amen? First Peter, and I'm going to bounce in all over the world, so I'll just read them slow. Although she is great at her role, I'm going to be everywhere. 1 Peter 2, 10 through 11 says, who once once were not a people but are now a people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, that means people who are passing through, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. That means the lusts those, those fleshly things, the things that you naturally want to do, you naturally want to take part in, you naturally want to just absorb and enjoy and look at and take, you know, take pleasure in, but you know that they war against your soul. They're in contradiction to the word of God and you being who you're supposed to be as a man of God or woman of God. Abstain. Walk away from it. Titus 2, 11 through 13 For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Somebody say, that's not easy in the present age. I mean, things things are bad. The the world is very, very demonstrative and boisterous about foisting these sinful things off on us and, and normalizing sinful and negative and unnatural weird behavior. However, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back, and he's looking for a bride without spot or wrinkle that has been justified, that has been purified, and that is sanctified. Amen? When he comes back, I don't want him um, having to look twice to see whether or not I am part of the world system or I'm one of his. Amen. I don't want that on me. I want to I want to live pure. I want to look pure. I want to act pure. Praise God. Because he's coming back. Amen. 1 John 2:15 through 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Okay. This world's not our home. The things of value this this world is not of value. The, the, the homes that we live in, I hope they're beautiful and that you know they don't break down. You, don't, you know, I, I hope your car runs great. That's fine. But it's just a it's, passing. it's not what's really important. What's really important is you, um, the people that are in your life, and, uh, and the, the, the love that you have for Christ and your relationship with him. Don't love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not the Father but is of the world. Colossians 3 and 2. Keep your mind on things above, not worldly things galatians 5 and 16 says this i say walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh see here's that's the main problem and this let me tie this to everything else that we've been talking about whenever you it's not just about you doing those things that you see or that you allow to become normalized in your life this is what the word of god says if you walk in the spirit then you won't fulfill those things. But if you do walk in the flesh, you do partake, you, you do allow those things to be a part of your life. You will end up going where your mind goes. Your body will go where your mind goes. Amen. Two more. Colossians 3:5. Therefore put to death your members which are on earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And lastly, Romans 13 and 3. And we can all stand, we'll be dismissed with this. And I'm just going to pray. Romans 13:13 13, 13. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness or in lewdness or in lust, not in strife and envy. Let us walk properly. Amen. Praise God.